he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethesda while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. When the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. About the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. They all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. He went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. They were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. They considered not the miracle of the loaves, for the heart was hardened. With the help of the Lord, I want to preach on, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. If you'll give me a listening to, I believe I can, we'll all get help today. Amen. Let's go to the throne of grace. Matthew, how about you praying? Amen. You'll be seated. Allow me to set the stage of this passage. The central theme in the book, in this section of Mark's gospel, is the unbelief of people. It has been from the very beginning and still today is just as real. And that is the unbelief of people. Charles Darwin said that the belief was the most complete of all distinctions between man and the lower animals. And I say amen. We find that these people had every reason to trust Jesus Christ, yet all of them failed to do so, including the crowd that should have been first to have believed Him, trusted Him, was His disciples, those men that were closest to him, if you will. The Bible says in Hebrews 3.12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you of an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. In Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we see the unbelief of his acquaintances, and that's understood. Verses 7 through 29, the unbelief of his enemies. Well, that's understood as all as well. But then notice with me verse 30 through 56, the unbelief of the disciples. It's amazing if you stop and think of what it would have been like to have walked with Jesus. If you went to a boy in life, if you went to a mundane life, you wouldn't have wanted to follow Jesus because it was anything but boring. 
while you'd be walking along, invited to a wedding, then before you know it, he's turning water into wine, changing the whole atmosphere of the place. You're walking along, minding your own business, and Jesus stops to heal a blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road. You're in a crowd and everybody's uh, touching him and feeling him and he just stopped in the middle of the show and said, Who touched me? And they look at him and said, My Lord Jesus, everybody's uh, touching you. And he said, Oh, no, no. Somebody touched me and virtue left. And they get to witness a little woman come up and scared and frightened and said, Lord, it's me. I touched you. And she was healed. So the Lord, it was not a plan. There was no... It, I, I like a plan. I like to know what I'm going to be doing. I would have had a hard time following Jesus this day because there was no plan. Nobody had... There was no order. He, he's got the plan and He's got the order. You're just following along. Enjoying the ride. And it's amazing. He'd be going down the road and... He would see a casket in the funeral possession and stop the woman and said, uh, Ma'am, what's going on? My son just died and raised her son. And without any, any uh, previous contacts, that's just the way the Lord did. Such was the case here. They're on a hillside and Jesus begins to teach the people. And a crowd grows and it grows. So there's 5,000 men, not counting women and children. They could have been as many as 15,000 people there. That's being conservative. If you had a wife and one child, odds are there was a lot more than that. But we know, but that's conservative. Let's say that. 15,000 people. I'm amazed. The Bible says in verse 34 how that Jesus was moved with compassion. But oh, may I remind you, they're not here for that. Jesus told these boys, we need to go get some rest. As a matter of fact, the Bible said they hadn't even had time to eat. And so now they're here and this great multitude of people, and the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion because they were sheep not having a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. And when the day was far spent, the Bible says his disciples came unto him saying, this is a desert place. And now the time is for... Lord, it's getting late. Lord, it's getting late. There wasn't Burger King and McDonald's said, send them away that they may go into the village around about and get them some bread, something to eat. And Jesus said, why don't you feed them? Why do you want to send them away? Why don't you feed them? And they give him the deer in the headlight look. And they say, Really? Us feed them? If 200 
days labor, 200 pennies worth. One feet of crowd this size. Oh, by the way, have you forgotten? We're supposed to be on vacation. We're supposed to be resting. We're supposed to be eating. But now, you want us to feed them, and we got nothing to feed them with. So who's going to, how are we going to do this? So Jesus said, well, what do you have? So we got five loaves and two fishes. And no doubt they were thinking to themselves, well, that might make me a good meal, but I ain't, I'm sure about the rest of this crowd. And so the Bible says, he said, what do you have? May I remind you of something. Ministry, genuine ministry, it's a tough job. Genuine ministry. I, I know many of you have a very tough job and a hard job, and I'm not belittling that, but genuine ministry is hard. I mean, they've been very busy all day long. It'd been a hard day. I, I don't know if you've fed a number of people before, but I know we've fed a, 150, 200, and that, that's a job. And, and they, they, so they fed as many as 15,000 people. So it's been a, a very hard day. And then he does something that just astounds me. Not only did he command them to be seated in the groups of 50, and they fed them, but then he says, go pick up the fragments. Go pick up the broken pieces. See, this morning the world would say, you used to be whole, but now you're broken. Now you're just a fragment of what you were at one time. May I remind you, all the fragments on this hillside started out being whole. But now they're just pieces. And the world would say, won't you just leave them? What good are they? They ain't fit for nothing but birds' food. But to feed the animals, just leave them. Oh, but not so with the Lord. The Lord said, I want all those pieces picked up and put in a basket. I'm interested in the broken pieces. Gentlemen, don't leave any of them broken pieces behind. I want all those broken pieces. And circumstance had broke them. They didn't plan it. That morning they got up just being one little boy's lunch. They didn't plan the circumstance that would come and the master would take them and begin to break them into pieces. And it would be broken and broken and broken. And they, they didn't plan to be cast out on the hillside. But here they are. They're there. 
circumstances comes and you didn't plan that divorce. You didn't plan that child that you brought into the world and loved and took care of to cussing you out. You didn't plan all those things of uh, uh, the circumstances in your you didn't plan those things. But here they are. And God is interested in the broken pieces. The world says they're worthless. Why are you taking the time? Why are you fooling with them? They ain't good for nothing. They're just broken pieces. Hallelujah, the master said, pick a ball up. Had 12 baskets of broken pieces. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God cares about the broken pieces? And all of us, some fashion or another, we got honest with God. We recognize the fact we're all broken in some way or another, some fashion. Why don't you just take your halo off and lay it aside and join the rest of us broken pieces. You'll be in good company. Because we're all broken in some fashion or another. All of us. We all got those circumstances that comes to life that we didn't plan. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, nobody wrote the script. They just happened. And now Jesus comes by and says, pick up all the broken pieces. Come down to the shore. Jesus says, now I want you to do something. And the Bible says he constrained his disciples. That word constrained was this. He wasn't going to argue with them. He wasn't going to take no for an answer. He said, I want you to get in the ship. And this morning, if you're lost without Christ, and you know not Jesus, he comes by and says, I want you to get in the ship. But Lord, no, no buts about it. No buts. Well, Lord, I don't know if I can ride in that. No buts. Well, I don't know if I can live it. No buts. I want you to get in the ship. He constrained his disciples to get in the ship. May I remind you, it is my belief he put the broken fragments in the ship. It's my belief all 12 baskets he didn't leave anything behind but the people and he sent them on their way. And so he constrained them to all get in the ship. May I remind you we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. Will you quit hanging on the outside 
thinking you're different, you're special, you're unique. I, I'm different. Remember. No, we're all in the same boat this morning. And that's what he said. Number one, he said, I got a destination. The Bible says it straightway. He constrained his disciples to get in the ship. And to do what? To go to the other side. Hallelujah! This morning we're heading to the other side. I don't, it makes no difference what you believe. We're going to the other side. It makes no difference what's going to happen. We're going to the other side. May I remind you, he decided they was going to the other side. I didn't decide it. He didn't tell him how to load the ship. He didn't tell him how he was going to get to the other side. As a matter of fact, he didn't tell him where he was going. Now we know by Scripture, he's going up on the mountain to pray. But he told them, you're going to the other side. Want some of you that are scared out of your wits, if you get a hold of this this morning, it'd help you. We're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. God has a destination. I mean, we got a destination. Oh, I love this. We read this at funerals. But may I remind you, it works good for the living. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, Believe also in me. Time out, time out, time out. Let me tell you why. We've got people that are saved, born again, washed in the blood, that are absolutely terrified of everything around them. You know why? Because you're just not believing in your God. It's unbelief. There's no way you can squirm out of it. Bible says says this. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Here's the condition. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Someone has said, he spent seven days preparing this world. For mankind, he spent 6,000 years getting ready for us. They can what it looks like. Amen. If he could create this world in seven days, can you imagine what he can do in 6,000 years? He said, I'd go to prepare a place for you. Now, I love the next verse. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I don't believe that. It don't make no difference what you believe. I'm not trying to be arrogant. not trying to be a smart aleck. It just don't make no difference what you believe. He's coming again. It makes no difference what you think. He said, I will come again. I love that. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Of course, Thomas popped up and said, Lord, we don't know. How are we going to know? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man coming unto the Father 
but by me. May I remind you this morning, we're all in the same boat, but we're headed somewhere. We're headed somewhere. Now notice, second thing. They're in the boat. All of them's in the boat. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea. And he's alone on the land. And then all of a sudden, disturbance. All of a sudden, a storm. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. May I remind you, it's one thing to be in a storm and Jesus on the ship. But he puts us in a storm and he's somewhere else, seemingly. He's on a mountain praying and he wants to see what we're going to do. And he sends a storm. And the wind is blowing the little ship every which way. And the Bible says he sees them but he still allows it. Now we, we struggle with that. I thought if I got saved everything would be great selling from here till Jesus comes, we'd be going to heaven. That'd be it. Hallelujah. Oh, no, no, no. There's some storms going to come. And he saw them. I want to remind you, there never was a moment his eye wasn't on them. He knew exactly what, he knew all of them was in the ship. There never was a moment he wasn't seeing them as the wind just tossed them to and fro. And Jesus was on the mountain praying. He could have rebuked the storm from where he was. He'd done that before. He could have said, Hey, storm, go to bed. And it would become like a sheet of glass. But he never... Isn't it amazing? God is stressed going through life's changing events. And on top of all the list, God sends a pandemic. You're barely paying your bills. And you test positive and you're forced to stay home for 14 days. You're trying to figure your own stuff out. Then on top of it all, you're trying to do first grade math at home. You're trying to plan. And just when you got it all together, a phone call and everything changes. And the wind's blowing. Contrary. And your ship's going every which way. You're just being tossed every which way. But notice, they're all in the boat together. We're all in this boat together. Now, we can't control the storms in life. 
Bible says man's born a woman a few days and full of trouble. You're not going to control the storms. I mean, we better get we better get settled on something. If God sees the fit to send a storm in your life, He's wanting to teach you something. He's wanting you to learn something. He's wanting you to know something about Him that you didn't know before. And He sends the storms. We don't have a control of that. But I'll tell you what we do have control of. It's what we think about in the storm. We can't control what goes on in our life, but we can control what's going on in our head. Finally, brethren, what sort of things that are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, and what sort of things are pure, and what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. This morning, if you can learn this truth, it'll help you in the midst of the storm. Notice the destination. They're going to the other side. God's not told them they're going to the other side. All of hell can't keep them from going to the other side. But notice the disturbance. The ship is contrary. And they're tolling, they're working. Some of you this morning, I love you, but you're worn out. You are worn out. Wrestling, toiling. But that ship, trying to keep it on course. You're mad at everybody else because they ain't toiling like you're toiling. They're not working like you're working. They're not doing what you're doing. And you're worn out toiling. And the wind keeps blowing. And the ship keeps going around. Notice something else. Notice the distraction. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. About the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking on the sea, and would have passed by them. Let me picture something. They're just, they're working. They're sweating. They're doing all they can do, holding that ship. And Jesus is walking on the waves that's causing them all the problems. What's a turn their ship up is his sidewalk. What's a messing him up is his sidewalk. He's walking on the sea. And the Bible says he would have, he would have just Passed him by. He would just walk them by. He wouldn't even stop. You know what I got to thinking? How many times, how many times in his church services, like we're having this morning, Jesus is coming by, and you've been so distracted by the storm that's in your life, 
I, I need to, I'll need an amen with this. Like Brother Mike Bagel said. I'm, I would need an amen right here. How many of you have walked in church service? You smile at the preacher. Better sticking your tongue out at me. Amen. You're sitting there. You say amen at the right time. But your mind's thinking. Your mind's on wide open. You're steering that ship through that storm you're in at your house. I want to enjoy the service. But I, I just, husband, he's a tyrant. He just treat me like a dog. And your just, mind's just going crazy. You, you want to enjoy the service, but that wife, she's just rebellious, stubborn. I want to enjoy the service, but your child cussed you out before you come to church. I probably wouldn't be in church right now. I'd probably be in prison. That's just old-fashioned me. Yeah. But my child just cussed me out, so I'm trying to enjoy the service. I'm trying to enjoy the service, but this morning, I don't, I don't know where we're going to get the money for the next bill that you do. I'm trying to enjoy the service, but I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to survive this sickness. I'm trying to enjoy the service, but I'm just worried to death because nobody else is doing what they're supposed to do. Trying to enjoy service, but you just don't know what's going on with my daddy, my mama, my family. Want to enjoy service right now, but you don't know these kids are just driving me crazy. And all the time, while you're sitting there worried, Jesus just comes by. He could say, Hey, here I am! But he doesn't do that. He just passes by to see if you can move from your distraction long enough to see him. Don't miss this. You may not recognize him. You may not recognize him. After all, you've never seen him walk on water before. After all, you've never seen nobody walk on water. He may come by and you won't recognize him. So he passes on by. And I believe with all my heart, God passes by through here every Sunday. And there's folks so distracted by the storm of their life. They can't see Him. They're so busy running the ship. They're so busy with that distraction that you just can't see Him. And here's the problem. He's not going to invade your world. He's not going to come up to He's not going to come up to you and, and shake you. I'm here. 
Because he has this funny way of wanting you to want him. And the Bible says they were so distracted. And let me tell you why. He came in an unusual hour. Fourth watch is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. It's the last watch of the night. Notice something. It's the watch when the satanic agents went out to perform their activities or returning home to base. The fourth watch is when all the demons and the devils are coming back in from their misdeeds in the darkness. Because men that are evil love the darkness, not the light. And so they're on the way back. It's an unusual hour. See, what you need to understand is he may show up in an unusual hour. You didn't expect him then. See, some of you expect him this morning from 11 a.m. to 12. We expect him this evening from 6 to 7. But what if he starts to show up today at your house at 2? Or what if he decides to wake you up in the midnight hour about 2 o'clock in the morning and show up an unusual hour? May I remind you, he showed up in an unusual way. They had never seen him, but I said this. He's walking upon the sea. The waves that had found the disciples, including the fishermen, were only stair steps to bring Jesus to them. But he waited till their situation was so desperate. He waited till their situation was so desperate they couldn't help themselves. Let me show you a little something here. I want everybody's attention because I'm going to show you a different picture of Peter than what you've always heard and what I have preached. But the Lord kind of gave me this and I want to share it with you. The Lord has done give a command. Get in the ship. Go to the other side. They see Jesus. He's walking on the water. They cry out. They think he's a ghost. Jesus said, Boys, chill. That's what today's language would be. He said, don't be afraid. It is I. Now we've always preached. And I believe it was great. Peter's saying, Lord, if it's you, hold it. Did you get the first word? If. See, if is the word of unbelief. If it's you bidding me to come, Peter, Peter, Mr. Peter, Mrs. Peter, here this morning, can I have your attention? If you believe God enough to get out of the boat, why ain't you believing Him to get you to the other side? Why are you toiling in that ship so? Peter, if you believe God, God done told you what to do. Why aren't you doing it? But he gets out of the boat. And he does walk on water. And that's an amazing. We preach it's amazing. But don't miss this. 
He didn't stay walking on water very long. And I believe God allowed him to get out of that boat to show you and I both something. I need every person to wake up and look straight at me right now. I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. When he got out of that boat, he positioned himself to sink. He wasn't going to sink in the boat. That all of the all the, the demons in hell couldn't have sunk that boat. But when he got himself outside the boat and isolated himself on what God had commanded him to do, he positioned himself to sink. Because you want you, you hear me? Don't you listen to me? You need you bet you need to listen to me. You, you need to listen to me. When you get out. You can keep your eyes on God for a while, but sooner or later, your eyes will get drawn to the storm. Because when you're in the boat, our eyes get on the storm at times. Does it not? Even in the boat, the storm gets our attention, gets us distracted, gets us all out of sorts. Inside the boat! So when you get outside the boat, you're on your own because your eyes will get on the storm forward, forward. And Jesus may not be there to get you out. Praise God for Peter, he was. Save me! And before he said that, the Lord's hand was reaching down and pulling him up. And putting him in the boat. May I remind you, the Lord put him back in the boat. We're all in the same boat. Are you listening to me? There's families that's gotten out of the boat around here. And I'm telling you, the day will come, they'll sink. Because if God puts you in a boat, you better not get out of it. Amen. Well, I, I, and that's a different view than what we've seen. But the Bible says, and in Acts 27, Paul is going to Rome, stand before Caesar. And he tells them, the storm's going to be dangerous. They said, ah, oh, shut up. We're going to do what we want to do. So they go. And not long there rose a storm called Eurachlodon. It's a hurricane. And the Bible says in chapter 27, 29, that they some men want to jump the ship. They want to get out of the ship. And Paul said, and as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boats into the sea, under color as though they would cast anchors out of the force ship, Paul said to the centurion, to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. He said, I'm going to tell you something. Got to stay in the ship. Number one, the destination. Number two, disturbance of distraction, but no to deliverance. And when he went up to them into the ship, the wind ceased, and they were so amazed. They said, beyond measured and wondered, this new experience taught them something. The storm experience taught them that God's in charge. He's teaching them to live by faith. For that matter, even when he was in the ship with them, they were still afraid. There's something here that I want you to see that I believe is the greatest disappointment of this whole thing. And they consider not the miracle of the lows. For the heart was hardened. They should have been astounded. But their heart was hardened. They should have been astonished. 
But their heart was hardened. They should, should have been an hour when they said, Hallelujah, we're going to the other side. Blow wind, blow, we're going to the other side. But their heart was hardened. Tells me that when we are not careful, during this time, our heart can get hard. How do you know your heart's hard? Because God spoke this morning and you hadn't heard. Your heart gets hard every time God comes by and speaks to our hearts we do nothing with it. Our heart gets harder. You understand it can get so hard that He'll just pass you by. You don't even know He's there. You get in your car and you'll go up the road. Well, that's okay message. Yeah, I, I guess so. Or you'll go home complaining about what didn't happen to suit you. And miss the Lord totally. Heart gets hard. During this time, if we're not careful, our heart can get hard. These disciples consider not the miracle of love. They've done saying all that God could do. And yet, when they got in the next storm, the very next storm, they was filled with unbelief and their heart was hardened. May I remind you this morning to consider all the things that God's done before the pandemic. Let your mind go back to January and remember what God was doing in your life. Let's not forget Him. But more than that, this is my prayer. been my prayer for two days. If He passes by this morning, do you recognize Him? Do you know He's passing by? Are you aware he's passing by? Or does he have to send a storm to where you can't do anything else but get to looking for him to pass by? This morning, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. So I'm done. Number one. If you're lost and undone without Jesus, you're not in the boat. And you need to get in the boat. Jesus comes, you'll be left behind. Jesus come right now. Do you know that you go to heaven? If you don't know that, you're not in the boat. You need to get in the boat. You need to get in the boat. That's the first thing. Second, if you're in the boat and you're in the middle of the storm, He's walking by somewhere. He's walking by somewhere. He's not in the storm. He's walking on the storm. And in the midst of the storm, you'll get to looking for Him. He's walking by somewhere. Are you looking for Him? Are you seeing Him? Number three, He's going to take you to the other side. And when they got to the other side, they knew something about the Lord they'd never known before. He walks on water. He's ahead of the storm. You need to understand this morning 
need to understand, we're all in the same boat. It's all standard feet. If head bowed, never eye closed.